it is Friday, and here at Crepuscular Academy, the work of the week is done. The classrooms are dark and empty and mostly silent. The more dangerous textbooks have been locked away, so why don't you join us in my study as we delve once more into Dr. Longshadow's miscellany of the uncanny. Good evening. My name is Dr. James Archipelago Longshadow. Welcome back to Crepuscular Academy, where I have gathered the students in my study to share steaming cups of hot chocolate, biscuits, and of course, a story. For the biscuit aficionados amongst you, this week we have decided upon the chocolate digestive. Well, it has been quite a week here at Dear Old Crepuscula. Our lessons were somewhat disrupted by the unannounced visit of a past pupil. The poor soul wandered from classroom to classroom, as if looking for something, and even popped up in the staff room at one point, an appearance that greatly discomforted the staff members happily dozing within their most sacred of sanctums. For his part, the past pupils seemed quite unaware of anyone else, students or faculty, or even that, according to school records, he had ceased to reside on this particular plane of existence some forty-five years earlier. In the end, the kerfuffle caused by this lost soul was quieted by Professor Merrin, who persuaded the poor chap to vacate the school premises through use of some ancient and frankly questionable rituals he had unearthed during his travels in Denmark, of all places. There was some small amount of psychic feedback in the aftermath of the casting out, nightmares and the like, but it was a small price to pay. And so, to tonight's tale, in which we learn that childhood fears are not always unfounded or childish. Elizabeth hated going to the toilet. Well, that wasn't quite true. She had, from an impressively young age, been able to handle the mechanics of the whole process without any help, and so the actual execution of the act posed no problem or stress for her. She lived with her parents and two younger brothers. Her brothers, twins, were as noisy and boisterous as one might imagine them to be, and loved them as she did, Elizabeth often felt the need for a peaceful retreat. Unfortunately, her bedroom offered no such haven. Her brothers had an almost preternatural ability to permeate the house with their noise, so that it seeped through every wall and floor and ceiling, leaving nowhere in the house free of their rambunctious din. Nowhere, that is, save the bathroom. Elizabeth and her family lived in a tall Victorian house in an older part of town. It was a fine house to live in, with high ornate ceilings, lovely tiled floors and darkly panelled walls. Her parents had bought the house mainly due to its wonderful authenticity. Despite the fact that the estate agent 
had told them that several people had resided there over the years. To begin with, the house had had a very unlived-in feeling, a little like a museum or an empty church. On moving in and exploring the house, they had found a drawer full of old photographs, sepia-stained with age, and presumably of previous occupants. There had been smiling young men in army uniforms, children sitting stiffly, looking unhappy, and an old, stern-faced woman wearing a black dress. Rather than throwing these away, Elizabeth's father had framed them and put them up in his office. Elizabeth wasn't sure why they needed to have photographs of strangers up in the house, but her father insisted it was just another of the fantastic features of the house. There was one feature, however, her father did not appreciate quite so much. Due to some long-forgotten reason, the architect had decided that the best place for the bathroom was on the uppermost floor of the house. Perhaps he had placed the smallest room there out of a sense of Victorian modesty concerning the purpose of the space. Whatever the reason for its unusual location, having to climb three flights of stairs up to the top of the house every time nature called was, to say the least, a chore. As well as taking unwanted exercise when using the facilities or the inconvenience, as her mother called it, the family had long ago learned to keep a good supply of toilet rolls in the bathroom. This lesson had been learned after her father had gone missing for some time, only to be found desperate and toilet paperless. Apparently, he had been calling for help for nearly an hour. However, due to the distance from the rest of the household, his plaintive cries had gone unheard. Following the incident, Elizabeth had reasoned quite correctly that if you couldn't be heard from the bathroom in the rest of the house, then the rest of the house couldn't be heard when in the bathroom. And so it was that Elizabeth found her sanctuary. The bathroom sat quite alone, being at the end of a small landing with no other doors leading to it. True, there was a hatch in the ceiling of the small landing, but according to her father, this was little more than a crawl space. Elizabeth did not care to give too much thought to what exactly might be crawling in the dim, dusty space at the top of the house. The knowledge that the hatch was firmly in place, and that even the slinkiest of spiders would have had great difficulty in squeezing through, was enough for her. Occasionally, visitors would ask why her parents had not thought of moving the bathroom to a more convenient location in the house. In turn, her parents would cite reasons of cost, or not wanting to defile the layout of their architectural treasure, and, most importantly, that the bathroom was so pretty it would be almost impossible to replicate it. On this last point, Elizabeth agreed. The walls of the bathroom had been expertly painted with a beautiful mural, showing a summer garden, complete with flowers and trees and a pond. The paint had long ago faded, but such was the artistry that even now, after over a hundred years, if you were relaxing in the deep bath with its lined feet pedestals, or even just sitting on the toilet, it didn't take much effort to imagine oneself actually in the garden. 
Add to this the beautiful rose-stained glass window that seemed to follow the sun, and it is easy to understand why the bathroom became Elizabeth's haven. She would spend many happy hours at the top of the house, reading or writing or just sitting and thinking. Her parents didn't worry about her protracted bathroom visit. Her mother well understood the need for peace and quiet now and again, and her father deduced that his daughter's absences were down to girls' issues, and left well enough alone, whilst congratulating himself on his sensitivity. Therefore, let us revisit and revise our opening statement. Elizabeth hated going to the toilet at night. The reason Elizabeth hated going to the toilet at night was simple. Her father's desire to save electricity. Elizabeth's father was very concerned with the state of the planet, and quite right too. He watched the news every night, and saw how humanity was being generally disrespectful towards Mother Nature. He worried about the sea levels rising. He worried about climate change, and he worried that it would never snow at Christmas again, like it had when he had been a boy. He felt the need to act. His recycling routine was beyond reproach. Every scrap of household rubbish was inspected, dissected, and sent to its appropriate receptacle. If something could be reused or repurposed, it would be. His wife called him her Lovely Womble, a name that Elizabeth and her brothers found in equal parts mystifying and cringeworthy. There was, however, one aspect of her father's determination to save the planet that annoyed the children, and Elizabeth in particular. Her father had a mania for switching off lights. He would patrol the house, and if any light had been, in his opinion, needlessly switched on, or, heaven forbid, left on, it would be immediately switched off, and the culprit would be sure to be on the receiving end of a lecture on the evils of unnecessary power consumption and its effects on the world. On more than one occasion, the children had been asked how they would feel about being responsible for the extinction of pandas. Elizabeth knew enough about these things to know that, should pandas ever actually become extinct, then the blame would probably lie firmly with the pandas themselves and their lazy approach to certain matters. But she never said this out loud. While the boys found their father's crusade an occasional telling off a little irksome, Elizabeth found it genuinely worrying. The reason for this was simple. She was scared of the dark. Actually, again, this statement isn't entirely accurate. She wasn't scared of the dark itself. Rather, she was scared of what was in the dark. Imagine you fall off a cruise ship and are lost at sea. The ship upon which you were happily sailing has long gone, its lights disappearing over the horizon, blissfully unaware that one of its passengers has gone. There you are, floating. You grabbed a life jacket as you fell in the water. Now, imagine the immensity beneath you. Imagine your little legs floating in the vastness, tempting and teasing whatever lies below. That's what Elizabeth was scared of. And, like our imaginary person overboard, 
She was acutely aware of not doing anything that might attract the attention of whatever lurked. Normally, this wasn't a problem for her. There is, after all, so little darkness these days. Television never stops. Shops open for 24 hours a day. We carry our own little lanterns around with us all the time. It can almost seem as if darkness has been banished. But the dark is old. And the dark is patient. If Elizabeth was forced to use the bathroom at night, she'd slip out of the living room, hoping not to rouse her father from his program or book. Then she would stand at the bottom of the stairs and light up the house, switch by switch, ready to ascend. With the pathway lit up to her satisfaction, she would climb to the top of the house and enter the bathroom. The problem arose when, as he often did, her father realized where she had gone. There had been quite a few times when she had been in the bathroom, only to see the strip of light from beneath the door snuffed out as her father had leapt to the defense of the planet and turned off the lights, switch by switch. And so stranded she would be forced to wait, knowing that she wouldn't be found until someone else needed to use the bathroom. Sitting in the bathroom, cut off from the rest of the family by a sea of darkness, she might as well have been alone in the world. It was then that her imagination would whisper to her, suggest to her what might be waiting on the other side of the door. Now, it so happened that the local cinema was showing the film that the twins and their father were desperate to watch, and Elizabeth was desperate not to. When her parents announced that the family would be going to watch the film, she had first played the age card. She was, at fourteen, she said, perfectly old enough to be trusted to be left alone in the house for a couple of hours. Her parents were not sure. With the sense of a predator, she recognized that their wavering was not a flat-out refusal. And so she quickly backed this gambit up with the good old homework maneuver. Staying at home, she claimed, would give her the chance to work on the project that was due quite soon. She was bluffing, of course, there was no homework, but her gaze was so steady and her voice so sincere that it worked. She would be allowed to stay at home if she agreed to a seemingly endless list of rules. And so it was that as the sun was setting in a deeply purple November sky, she waved her family farewell closed the front door slowly so as not to seem too keen to see them go, and prepared for a perfect evening. She arranged the sofa so that it was in the optimal position for the television, ready to stream her favorite film, the one that made her brothers pretend to be sick, and got comfortable with a bowl of popcorn and a giant bottle of a fizzy drink. Before she sat down to relax, she did one more thing. She went up and down the house, in and out of every room, and turned on each and every single switch until there wasn't a hint of shadow anywhere. Satisfied, Elizabeth took her place in her palace of light and began to watch her film. She was only interrupted once by a text from her mother, checking she was okay. Elizabeth replied politely but firmly, saying that, Yes, she was fine, 
and to not text again as to do so was a serious violation of the code of conduct for cinema goers. About an hour later, the inevitable happened. She had just got to a good part when she felt the need to go. She tried to ignore it at first, but trying to ignore anything is quite difficult. By ignoring something, you are aware that there is something to ignore, and therefore you are not ignoring it. She waited and waited until she couldn't put it off any longer. Sighing loudly, making sure that she sounded more annoyed than nervous, she stood up. She turned the television up as loudly as she dared, just shy of annoying the neighbors, before starting to go up the stairs. Perhaps it was the voices wafting up after her, or the fact that she had lit up the house like Christmas. Whatever the reason, Elizabeth found that she wasn't too worried about going up to the bathroom. She got there, did what needed to be done, and was all set to skip lightly downstairs and watch the rest of the film when it happened. She was just about to unlock the door. She had locked it partly out of habit and partly because, well, you never knew. When she heard the click, click, click of switches being switched, she stepped back from the door and looked down. The strip of light that had shone so brightly was gone, and she knew that outside the bathroom door lay the dark. Her first thought was that her parents had come back and her father had turned off all the lights, but no, it was too early for that. She reached for her phone but realized she'd left it downstairs. Perhaps it was a power cut, but then why would the bathroom light still be on? Oh well, she thought breezily. Some fuse must have blown somewhere, that's all. Uh, that's all it is. There were two avenues open to Elizabeth, and she thought them through, all the while not listening to her imagination. She could either stay in the bathroom for... how long would it be until they came back? An hour? Half? Or... She could just show some spirit, open the door, go downstairs, and enjoy the rest of her movie in peace. The light switches for the staircase and the halls were on the wall not too far from the bathroom door. She knew that it was only four steps. If she held her breath and closed her eyes, she could launch herself from the doorway, march straight to the switches, and have the lights on in a second, perhaps less. Easy. Ever so easy, she told herself. And she would have done it too. She really would have. If only she hadn't realized something. With one hand on the lock and the other on the handle, she was all set to go when she finally heard what the voice at the back of her head had been desperately trying to get her to understand. How had she heard the switches? If the switches downstairs had been flipped, if it had been her father, she wouldn't have been able to hear them. The only way she could have heard them was if, was if somebody had turned the lights off by using the switches outside the bathroom door. A floorboard creaked. For as long as they had lived there, her parents had told the children that old houses make noises at night. However, no one had been able to explain why, not to Elizabeth's satisfaction anyway. 
Another floorboard creaked. Four steps, Elizabeth thought to herself. Four steps between the light switches and the bathroom door. Creak. Elizabeth held her breath. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Creak. She stepped back from the door and sat down slowly on the floor by the bath. She needed to breathe, but tried to exhale as slowly and as quietly as possible. This wasn't easy when she could feel a cry, a moan, rising up in her throat. The door handle turned. It was very slow, but very obvious. It turned first one way, and then the other. In the silence that followed, Elizabeth heard and felt her heart thumping faster and faster. I can wait. It was a woman's voice, low and whispering through the keyhole. Elizabeth screamed. It took nearly an hour to convince Elizabeth to come out of the bathroom. An hour of cajoling and promises and lights being switched on. Eventually, after she had calmed down enough to explain what had happened, her parents had tried to persuade her that it must have been her imagination. When this still didn't work, her father promised not to turn the lights off any more. She went to bed and was tucked in by her mother, something that she hadn't done for quite some time. She stroked her hair and cooed over her until, despite being determined not to, Elizabeth slept. That night, as her father did the rounds of the house, locking doors and checking windows, he saw the light blazing from Elizabeth's room. Silly thing, he thought to himself. Slowly and carefully, so as not to wake his daughter, he reached into the room, turned off the light, and closed the door. In the corner of Elizabeth's room, a floorboard creaked. I myself have always considered a fear of the dark to be an entirely understandable and healthy position to adopt. But then I do know something of what lurks in the shadows. Thank you for joining us this week. We do so appreciate the opportunity to share our weekly get-togethers. If you would care to leave a review, I would be most grateful. And now the time has come for me to bid you farewell and ask that you be wary of the shadows. Please, Join us next week for another tale from Dr. Longshadow's Miscellany of the Uncanny.